0: Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network studios, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Hey, great weekend to you, man. Back at it after the Thanksgiving celebration. And hey, now you heard it in the intro. It is officially Christmas season. I have done all the official Christmas traditions to get into the mode. I will be decorating my Christmas lights this weekend. I'll be getting ready to uh, play some of the music. And of course, it has to be a little bit edgier rock and roll metal versions of Christmas songs. Why? Why? because everything's better in metal. But I I did my tradition last weekend, so happy Thanksgiving if you still continue to enjoy all your Thanksgiving celebrations last weekend. I did what I do every single year to get into the mode, which is watch Die Hard and then watch Die Hard 2, <laughs> and then we watch all the other you know traditional Christmas movies. Little Voice of Reason, she's nine now. She uh, uh, is fascinated with Home Alone, so we ended up watching Home Alone 1 and 2 as well. So it was a great weekend last weekend. Now we're officially into the modes. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here at the Hoosier Media Network Studios in Wichita, Kansas. So much to get to, as usual. This week, man, it's been a crazy week. And we'll get to as much of it as we possibly can. Bottom of this hour, we have Karen Kaiser. She is a state senator in the great state of Washington. We love you guys up there. we got a lot of affiliates up in that area and author of the book, Getting Elected is the Easy Part. As we talk about not only the process to get elected as a state elected official, but what it takes once you're there and upcoming legislative sessions. As you know, no matter where you may be across the nation, that uh, coming up In January, your session starts again, and we have a lot of agenda issues, no matter where you may be, that uh, we'll be talking about. So we'll have some fun there. Next hour, former Congressman Robert Pittenger, he'll be joining the show. He is a former congressman from the 9th District of North Carolina and author of the book, Character Matters, as we talk about leadership in Washington, D.C. Do we have it? Where did it go? And how the heck do we find it again? So we'll do all that and more coming up right around the corner, because this is The Voice Reason, which means... Don't worry, you can rest easy now for the weekend. All right, I want to start off the program today with one of our favorite people to poke fun at. As you know, there are a couple of them that we like to enjoy here on the show. And of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is always one of those, but I'm not going to go down the road with her today. I am going to start off, though, making fun of another individual that's just way, really easy to do. Can I play it, please? Can I play our favorite clip
0: of him? It's Thank you for all being here today, uh, experts. And it's always a treat to be here when I'm able to talk to people much smarter than I am. And <laughs> this last time I was in this very same chair, we were talking about crypto. And I asked the experts and I said uh, a couple of questions. And they were kind of fundamental is like and I just want to ask you as well, too, as experts, um, should crypto exist? In other words, is, you know, where should it exist? Like, well, you know, why should it endure?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that guy, (laughs) that's still my favorite clip of him. I can't take it. Uh, John Fetterman. Uh, out of the great state of Pennsylvania. How you guys still have him as an elected official, I'm not quite sure. But he's at it again as he was, if you missed it, during our Week in Review this week.
0: It's your Week in Review. As just
1: a day or two ago, John Federer making his appearance on The View, doing it in a fashionable sense as usual with his shorts and hoodie, walking out on there to uh, chat with the Chatty Cathy's on The View, which I guess he fits properly there because no one can understand what the hell's going on on that program. And Fetterman fits right in beautifully. So he was on there, but he made an interesting statement. And he said something that I kind of have to agree with, which is really scary for me to say with something and some individual like him. But some, I guess sometimes, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Right. So he was on The View talking about the kicking out of uh, the House member you know, on the Republican side. And saying that, well, you know what, it's a little bit better than what George Santos has done, because George Santos, for those that don't know, and we've had him actually on the program quite a few times, that George Santos is on the way out there voting to uh, kick him out of the House because of, well, lying on his resume when he ran for office. Now, now I, I'd like to reiterate that he's a politician. And he lied. So how much of a crime did he really make? Should he have done it? Probably not. But he made lies about uh, companies that he had worked for and deals that he had made. And his reputation was on the line there. So they're voting to oust him. And during this conversation on The View john fetterman says this
0: i think the, the more important picture is is that we have a colleague in, in the senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things uh senator menendez uh he needs to go um and if you are going to expel santos how can you allow to somebody like menendez to remain in the senate and you know santos is kind of lies were almost you know funny and like you know he you know, landed on the moon and guy kind of stuff. Uh, whereas, whereas, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Menendez, I think, is really a senator for Egypt, you know, not New Jersey. Uh, so I, I, I really think he needs to go.
1: Wow. I mean, that audio from Cake News or uh, from uh, uh, Fox News, by the way, I don't know what they put that music underneath there, but an interesting comment for sure from John Fetterman. Now, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit. Remember, we give credit where credit's due. And John Fetterman is probably one of the most progressive guys in Congress, and not only progressive, but he's just not one of the smoothest talkers, obviously, with his medical issues that he's had. He's not the brightest crayon in the box, per se, and I'm not making fun of him. I'm just just acknowledging what the reality is. I mean, we have some leaders right now. That probably shouldn't be in Washington, D.C. when he was on the late night talk shows, for whatever reason, his people's fascination with uh, talking to this guy said that uh, we need to have better leaders and smarter people in Washington, D.C. I would include him into that comment, but he does make an interesting comment here where Bob Menendez uh, right now is being charged with bribery offenses. Kind of a serious deal, especially for being an elected official. And I agree, a little bit higher up on the scale of severity compared to George Santos, who just lied about uh, his reputation and lied about what he's qualified for as an elected. Yeah, I mean, dude, George, you don't have to lie about your uh, your credentials to get an elected office. We have people that are just non-politicians running for office. Now, you don't need to lie. Totally okay. But that's what, what he chose to do uh, for whatever reason. So there it is, George, uh, John Fetterman, doing i guess somewhat of a reasonable thing by calling him out i gotta give him credit in the sense that he is at least exposing some of the corruption going on in washington dc so as much as we make fun of you john i appreciate that comment and the fact that you did something somewhat reasonable all right i want to shift gears a little bit have you seen i'm really excited about this and if i had the money i make fun of me all you want i probably might actually buy this thing and I don't have the money, so I don't have to worry about it right now. And I make fun of it. We, as you know, we're not the biggest fan of electric vehicles. I probably would never buy a full-on electric vehicle just because why the heck would I want to do that when, you know, I'm just trying to keep the lights on in my house and we're just going to bump up our electric bill and consolidate everything. That makes no sense to me. But have you seen the new Tesla truck, the Cyber Truck? This thing, man, I was watching a video actually right before we came on the air. And it was of Elon Musk doing his unveiling of this thing, and I highly recommend it. Yes, it's on TikTok, so be very wary because it's on TikTok. I, I know, I know the fact that uh, we don't like TikTok, Andy. Well, okay, but it was on TikTok. Elon Musk was doing an unveiling of this new Cybertruck, and he was on a drag strip, and he was racing the brand new 2023 Porsche or Porsche, sorry, the Porsche. He was drag racing the Porsche of 2023 and the Tesla truck won because it gets up to whatever speed in less than four seconds, Whatever, it's ridiculous because it's electric. So you don't have to go through gears. Here's the crazy part about it. It has the power because not only did it beat the Porsche in the drag race, it beat it while towing a Porsche behind it on a trailer pulling it down the drag strip and still beating the Porsche that it was racing with a Porsche on the back of it, dragging it down the strip and still beating it. It's an amazing video to watch. It's really incredible uh, and it's pretty neat. But here's the thing. Whenever there's something new and cool and unique, and this is the beauty of the private sector, like it, don't like it, support it, don't support it, buy it, don't buy it. This is the beauty of the free market system. You get to choose to do whatever you want to do with the private market. And while there is a demand for that, which again, it looks a little goofy, kind of futuristic, which is kind of neat to me because I'm an oddball. It's also bulletproof, which why the heck not? I'm a talk radio host. I got a lot of haters. What do you want? And it has the power, probably doesn't have the longevity because it is a battery, and it's fully uh, fully electric, which does not make me happy. But overall, between what Elon Musk has done, for the most part, I support the company. Not necessarily wanting to support the electric movement, but I support the company in the sense that he's doing great for humanity and just doing something different than what the status quo is. That's the beauty of the free market. Now, with that being said, when there is a free market, the progressives always find a way to get their iron grip control into the market. Now, you got to remember, he used to be the fan favorite, just like Donald Trump when before Donald Trump ran in 2016, that he used to be the fan favorite of the progressives because, wow, this guy is coming in, dominating the market with converting things to electric vehicles and saving the earth. So the Democrats, the progressives, they love, or at least loved past tense, Elon Musk. They loved what he was doing. He was saving the earth. He was changing the dynamic. He was going to save us by getting all electric. And it was an extremely popular movement. Then he bought Twitter and he came out as a free speech fighter, which you would think would be a good thing, no matter what type of freedom of speech and everybody lost their minds. And now after what we just saw with near six to eight weeks of a protest from the UAW strike, where they see like $90,000 an average price for the workers now, uh, which all the auto industry that's under the UAW control says that their vehicles are going to be now close to a $1,000 more ext- expensive per vehicle because of all the benefits that were just given in this strike. The public sector, the government, the union workers, the labor unions, the UAW now see the green in their eyes. And while they've seen their decrease in membership over the past couple of decades, they're looking at an entirely new revolution. And we told you that was going to happen because they openly said that that was going to happen, that they were going to focus on trying to unionize everybody because of how important it is to try and bring up the new generation of socialist communist workers.
0: Our goal is to come back to the table in 2028, a much stronger union, a much louder union and a much larger union. So the auto workers everywhere get ready to stand up. We're building a fighting union that can set a new standard. We know we have to secure our jobs in an electric vehicle future. We have to make sure that green jobs will be good jobs. And we have to stop the forces of corporate greed from making the EV transition a race to the bottom.
1: All right. So that was the UAW president just a few weeks ago after the UAW strike was all over. And if you noticed, he mentioned the electric vehicle industry because we laughed and said, "Well, if you're going to continue to do what you're doing by raising these wages up to an astronomical level that is not affordable for the private sector to actually function, then what you're going to do is you're going to drive this electric vehicle further and faster down the road to where you're going to lose all the jobs that you just fought for in the first place." Uh, and that's a cause for concern. So now, now that Tesla is releasing this, now that this is still Tesla's, really still the number one electric company in the entire nation for auto uh, for vehicles. The UAW sees green in their eyes because, I don't know if you're aware or not, Tesla is not unionized, and the union workers absolutely despise that. And with this almost violent, radical push to try and centralize and boost up numbers of union members across the nation, ABC News comes in this week and says that near 150,000 workers of 13 non-different union automakers are trying to push to unionize themselves, including Tesla. Toyota, BMW, and Nissan, along with others, saying that they are calling for the quote-unquote unprecedented move because it's time to unionize and fight for what they feel is right. Why would they do such a thing? Why? Because, well, they can. Workers aren't going to organize if they feel
2: like their interests are being taken care of. And the best organizers are the bosses sometimes by creating the conditions where people are willing to step out of their comfort zone and put it all on the line to organize. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hold on a second. Wait, what? Wait, They're not going to unionize because sometimes the owner of the company is actually the best union worker, but we still need to unionize them because they're not unionized. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. We'll talk on some of that when we come back here around the corner. What does it take to work as a Tesla employee, and do they need to unionize? It's now we're looking for this new collective bargaining mindset. It's the Voice of Reason. It's the weekend edition. Lots more to get you. Stay right
0: here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Darn right, it is. Welcome back into it. It is the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition. So wonderful to have you with us here, your Patriot on the Prairie, where the Hoosier Holics unite every single weekend. Which, by the way, we have our newsletter coming out on Monday. We always do that the first Monday of the month, and you have an opportunity to check it out. Become that Hoosier Holic. Find us on our website at HoosierReason.com. H O O S E R Reason.com. All of our social media at Hoosier Reason as well. You can follow us on there and sign up. On any of the social media platforms and, of course, the websites, your monthly blog and your information about the show, the Hoosier Media Network, all the podcast programs that we work with as well. A lot of cool stuff on there. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to HoosierReason.com and become that next latest and greatest Hoosier Holic. So, we have a private industry that's dominating right now, whether you choose to support it or not. I support it in the premise of him doing something unique, don't necessarily care for the product itself except for a really cool cyber truck that just looks weird and interesting and is bulletproof, so <laughs> why the heck not? But when there's an opportunity for the private sector to thrive and do well, because remember, in a free market, laissez-faire private capitalist system, when there's a void in society, when there's a void in the market, there's always an opportunity for someone to fill that void. We're filling that void, we're doing well. Looking at the average rate uh, for pay as a Tesla worker, Ranges anywhere between 11 to $34 an hour for basic production workers. 16 to $22 an hour for assembly line workers. It's not actually too bad. And uh, $80,000 to $180,000 a year for what they call the Tesla Gigafactory. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming that's probably the smart people actually designing all the stuff. Pretty decent rates. Now, remember... The worker, the auto workers that just did their strike, and you keep talking about this issue. I do, but they are working on a massive revitalization of a communist takeover of the private entities in the private uh, private industry right now, and we have to be aware of this because guess what? People have realized that you can actually do your bargaining on your own without being told to protest and go and picket and do all this other garbage from a union to pay your dues into a company or an organization that funds. Your opposing views politically by donating to Democrat candidates that are there for your worst interest. It doesn't work that way. But they're looking for this massive push, and now there are workers at some of these companies that are not unionized right now, seeing how much money these other workers are making that just got done with their protests, making almost ninety thousand dollars for the basic work, which I think is just a little bit above the means of what that for uh, that what that uh, position is currently valued at. But that's what they chose to do. And we're going to pay the price for it with the higher vehicle price. Pretty soon, all the vehicles are going to be priced at the price of a Tesla vehicle. And if Tesla unionizes, then what would that do to some of the manufacturing there as well? Is now they're looking at trying to recruit some of these new companies.
2: Workers aren't going to organize if they feel like their interests are being taken care of. Hold
1: (laughs) Hold on, wait a second. They're not going to unionize if their needs are being taken care of. So therefore, we have to find a way to show them their needs aren't being taken care of so we can unionize uh, unionize them. Well, I have to ask, this is kind of a basic principle here, but your mind bender of the day and for the weekend, what is the purpose of a union? What? What's the purpose of a union? I thought personally for someone who's not a union member and will never join a union because unions kind of suck in my personal opinion, unions are there to try and take care and meet the needs of the worker that aren't being met because of the evil, evil, greedy, horrible company that's not properly taking care of their workers. So if the evil, greedy company that is taking care of the workers already without the union, does that mean that they still need to unionize? Because Elon Musk recognizes, as so many did before him, including, oh, I don't know, like Ford all the way back when, when the auto industry started, that if you take care of your worker, and you keep them happy by giving them what they need to survive and keep them happy with perks and benefits and and all the other uh, goodies there, that they don't need to unionize and that they stay longer and that when they're happier, they produce more and that you don't need to keep spending money on training new workers. It's a wild concept, but we still got to unionize them and just let them know that their needs still aren't being met, even though their needs are still being met without being unionized. Dude. I think we've taken this a little bit too far. Lots more to get to here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here.
0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's what it's about. Welcome into it. Truth,
1: reason, common sense, rationale. It is the minority of society that we got to bring back into the majority again. Us to think cognitively. You know, there was a story here in Kansas where I'm based out of with our flagship radio uh, at the Hoosier Media Network studios. There was a story that ran this week, and I talked about it on my local program earlier this weekend, of an eight-year-old boy that had to, he's Native American. He's part of the Wyandotte Nation because there's a lot of Native American tribes around this area. He had to cut his hair. Because of the school dress code, as an eight-year-old boy had to cut his hair because the school dress code said the boys could not have their hair below their shoulders. And the ACLU, which I'm usually not a big fan of, but uh, has done great work on this one, is pursuing this because the, the mother tried to reach out to the school and say that because of their spiritual and their cultural traditions, that boys don't cut their hair Unless there's like a major loss in the family and a grieving process or uh, if something happens in the child to where they need to cut their hair for whatever spiritual or, or cultural practice. But he they cut the hair. It's already done. The mother cut the hair of the boy because the school had said that unless he did it, he would be kicked out of the school because of the dress code. Now, the superintendent said that they're going to address this at their meeting this month at the local school, but uh, that is a prime example, in my opinion, of where basic common sense has failed us miserably because even if there is a dress code for boys' hair length, which is a stupid thing to have in your dress code in the first place, uh, you can tell that by the guy who has a braided mohawk right now. Uh, that, uh, because I just say, the hell with your conformity. We're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, but especially, even if it's in there, you'd think that you'd make an exception for a kid who's part of a, a an actual card-carrying tribal member that has a culture and a religion and a practice and a spirituality that makes them not cut their hair and it's kind of sad so i don't i'm not going to touch a whole lot of time on it but it's very frustrating that's a prime example where common sense is no longer existent if that's the direction that we're going here all right i want to shift gears a little bit let's get into our let's go to our hoosier media hotline what do
0: you say let's go to the hoosier media hotline
1: let's do it and i got to give a shout out to our great affiliates up there in the tacoma washington and seattle washington areas we love you guys up in that area uh, that broadcast us every single weekend as we have one uh, have one of yours on the program today with us here really excited to have on here she is a state senator from the great state of Washington, also author of the latest book, Getting Elected is the Easy Part, Working and Winning in the State Legislature. It's Karen Kaiser on the line with us here. Karen, how are you, my friend?
2: I am great, Andy. How are you?
1: I am so good. It's so good to chat with you. I appreciate you coming on the show. First off, congratulations on the book. I love talking to legislators at this time of year because come up in January all over the nation and state legislative sessions there is so much to do and every year it seems like there's always a laundry list of things to work on and sometimes I mean I'm coming from Kansas again but there's a lot of freshmen that go up there and just are trying to get their you know feet wet in the system but I I commend every one of them for stepping up and trying to be a leader in their home state wherever that may be and being an elected official so that's that's something to be proud of isn't it?
2: Well, I think it's really wonderful that people have uh, the ability to step up, run for election, and win, and then learn how to be a good legislator for representing their constituents. It's a real calling if you can uh, see your way to getting there. If you get there, though, You will find that you aren't going to find a manual on how to do it, how to be a successful legislator. And that's why I wrote the book, because there's a lot of things you need to know and a lot of things you can learn and a lot of things you can do to get stuff done.
1: Yeah, we hear a lot. And especially I think this this appeals more to the federal level with uh, with senators and, and congressional members up there about we always hear about how they spend the vast majority of their time constantly fundraising, constantly getting ready for the next election that happens every two years. And sometimes that does deter them away from being able to do the actual job. But myself, I've never run for office. So talk about just real quickly what type of process it takes to actually run for a state seat and the campaign. I'm a campaign manager for a few state legislators, and I see a little bit behind the scenes. But uh, it is definitely something that if you're not used to it, it kind of takes you out of your comfort zone for sure.
2: Well, has often been said, all politics is local. And so yeah. if you do your job, you go door to door, talk to people, and let them know what you stand for and what you want to get done, uh, you can win an election in most cases. It takes a lot of work. It takes an incredible amount of time and hours. But for the most part, in our state legislatures, we are not driven with the high-dollar, massive campaign uh, requirements to win elections that our congressional folks and senators you know, federal uh, con- congressional people have to deal with. So at the state level, it's still, it's still, re- it's still real politics. It isn't this high uh, value purchase kind of product. You're just yeah. going door to door, having coffee with your neighbors, going to every event you can to connect with people. So it's much more real, um, what I think of as American democracy.
1: Yeah, Amen to that. When you do get up there, let's talk about maybe some of the freshmen that are going into their session for January of 2024 for the first time uh, and excited to see how this process does. And this, is, this relates to really any legislator across the country and whatever state you may be in. But what, when you first got up there, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you ran into trying to just
2: understand the system? Well, it's a system. That's for darn sure. And there's a lot of unwritten <laughs> rules <laughs> and you need to learn. And I think probably the best thing for a brand new legislator to do is keep their eyes open and their mouth shut for about six months till they figure it out. And uh, that's, you know, a lot of people come in and they think they're going to change the world. And I've got to tell you, it doesn't happen overnight, even in the state legislature. But if you work at it and you learn about what to do and you persist, you can change the world. You can actually make your state and the people in your state better off because of the work you do. And that is so rewarding.
1: Yeah, that is very true. I've heard a lot from a lot of individuals is that when you go up there, sometimes there's some that are like pure idealists that go up there and just want, like you said, they uh, either far right or far left, they're just the purest ideologues. And this is the agenda that they're going to promote. And I think one of the biggest surprises, at least that I've heard from other legislators is when you get up there realizing of how many people you actually need to work with to get anything done productively at all and that you actually have to work uh, with other individuals to make it actually happen.
2: That's exactly right. We all live in our little bubbles. We have our own little ideological biases, and you go into a legislative body, and there are people from all over the state, from other bubbles and other ideologies, and your eyes are opened and you say, oh, what in the world did I miss? And uh, I will never forget one of my very first meetings, I was in a committee and we were talking about requiring life jackets for kids in boats. And one of our colleagues from the other side of the aisle, was very adamant that that would be interfering with parental rights. And I actually was shocked to my core. I thought, how could you not want to make sure kids were safe in boats? Drowning Mm -hmm. is really possible if you're in a boat. So anyway, that's what I mean by your eyes get opened, because I would have never considered that as an interference with parental rights. But she did, and we had to discuss it and deal with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Do you see in the legislature we're talking with, by the way, with Karen Kaiser, state uh, senator from the state of Washington, the book is getting elected is the easy part. Working and winning in the state legislature. Do you do you see in the legislature uh, that even when you do disagree and you actually have these conversations and debates, maybe with the other side of the aisle, whatever side that may be, that the conversation can actually be healthy and that you can actually, when like you said, you know, the eye opener of oh, you know, the different perspective that you never really considered. And do you actually see? healthy conversation happen? Because I got to admit, being on the radio and seeing social media and seeing some of the nasty tweets and, you know, just uh, the bullying that goes on, that people have forgotten how to dialogue and have a conversation from the other side of the aisle. And I really hope that that's at least happening at the governmental level.
2: (laughs) It is in your state legislatures, in virtually all state legislatures, even ones that have strong party domination by one side or the other it still is a fact that we all understand that our legislation will be made better if you listen and learn from people who have a different perspective they have ideas too some of them aren't good some of them are good and you need to give and take and get to yes and compromise when you can to get to yes and it's amazing how things can come forward and get passed and implemented into law This happened um, in our state with paid family and medical leave. I worked on that bill for 20 years. It has been fully implemented. It was done on a bipartisan way with support from both sides of the aisle, and it's the most popular program in our entire state.
1: I love it. Uh, talk about for, the, for a minute, talk about the state of Washington. I love it up there. One of these days, I'll actually make it up to uh, that area with, uh, with some of the great affiliates that we have in that area. But talk about uh, where you guys are at economically. I know that the COVID pandemic really shut you guys down quite a bit. I know you have a lot of new tech booms that are going in that area. So uh, how is the state of Washington right now?
2: The Washington state economy is good. We have people working. We have very low unemployment rate. We have good revenue because most of our revenue comes from sales taxes. We do not have an income tax. And so people are buying things and we're getting revenue from sales taxes. And um, uh, property values have gone up, of course, too. So there's some increase in the property tax. But um, for the most part, the As long as people are at work, I think our economy is going to be just fine, and our unemployment rate is about 3.5%. I know when I got out of college, the unemployment rate was closer to 8%, and that's a lot tougher world for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's pretty challenging. Uh, Karen, we've got to take a break here in just a minute. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure. Uh Awesome. I love it. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the priorities you guys have in the legislature coming up for 2024 in Washington and how that may tie into other states as well. Uh, I know that there's a lot of different priorities and it's weird because it seems like some of the priorities, at least we hear in the media right now, are a lot of social issues, which is kind of strange But the economy is, uh, at least to me, one of the main priorities that we can see building industry, diversifying different economies in different states and letting things prosper. So uh, we'll see how that goes not only just in the state of Washington, but elsewhere as well. So we'll talk about some of those priorities going on in Washington right now. It's Karen Kaiser. Getting elected is the easy part. You can find it at uh, Washington State University with a website there and uh, on social media and online as well. We'll take a break right around the corner to wrap up hour number one of your weekend edition for The Voice of Reason. Stay right here.
0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Yes, indeed it is. The gathering of the Hoosier Holics on a weekly basis. It's okay. You can have a problem. You can be addicted to politics. I am your political therapist trying to work through it with you every single weekend. Welcome into it. Find us online, HoosierReason.com. That's H O O S E R Reason.com. There is a fly from hell in this studio today, and this is driving me nuts, man. <laughs> Welcome back in last few minutes of the program. Uh, always a pleasure to have you with us here. You can check us out online again, reason.com. We're hanging out with Karen Kaiser. Getting elected is the easy part. Working and winning in the state legislature uh, from the great state of Washington. We have our wonderful affiliates up in that area uh, right now. Karen, let's talk about the legislative session coming up in January. Always a fun time. I love hearing about what the priorities are and what the focuses are going to be in every state right now. So for you guys up in Washington what, what is your priority, at least? What do you want to focus on? What type of bills wait, might we see in coming out of Washington this year?
2: Sure. Well, I've been focused on a lot of health care issues over the years and a lot of labor issues over the years, and those things have come together. Uh, so I'll be working on getting a bill uh, to put an out-of-pocket cap on EpiPens, which is a device that people with bad allergies need to have if they – get bitten by a bee or run into peanut butter or something. It's required that kids have EpiPens um, at their school. These are expensive. They're like $300 and uh, they don't last forever. You have to replace them after about six months. So uh, putting an out-of-pocket cap on EpiPens follows what I did last year, which was to put an out-of-pocket cap on insulin. And uh, that passed and was supported on a bipartisan basis. And I think the EpiPen cap will uh, be the same. And um, we're also going to create a way for there to be an emergency supply of insulin available at our local drug stores for people who run out of money but still need insulin to live. Uh, So we'll figure out a way um, to work with our drug manufacturers and our drug stores and uh, our um, state agencies and make sure we can get that done. I also want to make sure we can provide health insurance to people who go on strike. One of the, pe- one of the things you see in a labor dispute is people walking out on strike, but having the threat of losing their health coverage through their employer. Um, that happened in our state this last year from, of all things, a hospital employer. And I don't want that to be used for intimidating people from standing up for their rights.
1: Yeah, uh, I know here in the Mid-America region, we've seen a massive shortage in some of the workers in the hospital industry, a lot of nurses, and actually there's going to be a walkout next week here in the Wichita, Kansas area of uh, nurse workers because of the shortage and all the hours they're putting in. Are you guys seeing the same problem up there? Is there a shortage in a lot of nurses up there?
2: We had that same problem, absolutely, Andy. And you know what? We passed a bill last session to help nurses get what is called proper staffing in the hospitals. They have been burned out, you know, it's just been awful the last few, three, three, four years. My daughter's a nurse, so I know firsthand yeah. how bad it is. And um, we passed, it was not easy, but we passed a bill with the hospitals uh, working with us to make sure that nurse staffing committees can make recommendations on how to be more efficient to provide the right number of nurses for patients that they have and uh, that's being implemented i have hope that we can settle this problem down and also of course we need more nurses like my daughter
1: yeah what's what's causing it i know that we didn't even hear about this issue really until about the COVID 19 pandemic but all of a sudden then we're short on nurses we're short on teachers we're short on a lot of industries like what what happened here do you think
2: a lot of people quit because they were so frustrated at being burned out and they just Mm -hmm. couldn't go to work when they saw That they were trying to, you know, had to care for too many patients and not give them enough care. It's called moral hazard. They felt that they were being put into a position that might cause the death of patients as opposed to what they wanted to do, which was to help them become healthy. And that just was too much stress for too many people and they quit the profession. We saw a huge walkout and resignation of nurses and health professionals during the the COVID pandemic and we're rebuilding the workforce and one of the ways we can do that is to ensure that they will have fair staffing when they go to work.
1: Yeah, it's a wild issue. I'm glad you guys are addressing it. We're addressing it here on the home front here in the Mid America region as well. It's Karen Kaiser, state senator for the state of Washington. Getting elected is the easy part, is the book. Karen, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep up that fight up there. We'll talk again soon
2: tell you it's also available on amazon which is also from washington
1: state (laughs) absolutely amazon and washington state university i love it karen we appreciate that very much all right we'll wrap up our number one here we got lots more we'll break some of this conversation down and more coming up around the corner for our number two of the voice of reason when we talk some more about what the heck's going on around the world and how to get that common sense back on track until then be your own voice, of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the voice, of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, hour two, of right around the corner. Stay here.